this morning we've come got a myriad of different reasons we've come into this place for some of us it's just what we do on Sunday mornings we come and we get our pancakes and we, we listen to worship Lord and for others our parents drag us here and we don't really want to be here God some of us came in with so many heavy things on our hearts but then there are those who want to hear from you God and come expecting Lord and so Lord wherever we're at in our, in our walk with you in our journey today Lord I pray that you would speak to our hearts God it's not anything that I say God, I pray that you would put me aside and you would put your words ahead, Lord, as encouragement this morning. And Father, I pray that we would leave here changed. Father, that's my prayer every Sunday, that we would leave different than the way we came into this place. Not because of what man says, but God, what you say. And may the Spirit just move freely among us as, as it has already been. So, Lord, as we open your, up your word, Lord, speak to us now. God, for most of us, we've seen the light, Lord. Let us live in that light this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for this praise band. I thank you for the worship teams that have led. So beautifully in the fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth pray right now for our fifth and sixth graders as they are in their class Lord I pray that you would speak to them through their teachers Lord as, as those seventh and eighth graders are in the den Lord I pray that they're listening intently to what Mark has to say Lord and I thank you for these students that are here Lord speak to us now and it's in Jesus holy and precious name we pray Amen you may have a seat thank you so much praise man tell you this morning the songs were great did such an amazing job and, and I do want to remind you if you're if you're interested in, in playing in the praise band or a tech team or anything like that we, we would love to have you on a Sunday afternoon for our go teams we meet at 345 and in here and all across this campus uh, we we meet and at uh, at Five o'clock, we have our D groups. Now, for those of you who don't fully understand what a D group is, our D group is our time where we can get together. It was kind of like our table groups, only like on steroids, because our table groups, you only had about 22 minutes and 10 to 12 of those were just talking about the weekend, and then the rest of the time was really trying to rush through the lesson and then just go. But what our D groups time is, we come together as a team, as, as a family, as in, in grades, and we give you guys about an hour to hang out, and then you have plenty of time to talk about whatever you talk about, but then the rest of the time to talk about the Word. And, and so we really want you guys to join us in our D groups. We want you to be here this evening from 5 to 6. And next week, we won't have go teams and D groups because we'll be at the Brave game but tonight we really want you to be a part it's going to be it's going to be a cool night tonight so we got a lot going on last week we uh we had a chance to just serve some folks and it was just really cool to see one team uh, i'll brag on our our hospitality team so our hospitality team did a great job and and uh they made a batch of cookies that they uh 
put in a bag. We had a visitor come last week. We had a few visitors come last week. We, we have one in particular that lived close to here, and we, uh, we, they loaded those in a bag. And then our welcome team, it was so cool, the welcome team got up, loaded up in the car, and went to their house. And, and these, it was pouring down rain. It was crazy. Like last Sunday, like monsoon. We go over to their house and uh, finally get to the right door because it was just kind of interesting. But we go to the right door, and the cookies are still hot as we're handing them. And the team is just, it was just an amazing, amazing night. And uh, so we want you to be a part of those ministries that we've got going on. It's, it's really cool to see you guys serving. And it's, it's, it's incredible to see you guys serving in 5th and 6th, 7th and 8th, and being a part of these ministries. It's just it's just amazing, so we want you to be a part. Also, I was, I was hanging out with Dr. Youssef a couple of times this week, uh, just, just a cool thing, his busy schedule, and had a chance to just kind of uh, just talk to him a little bit, and he asked me an interesting question. He said, where was everybody Sunday morning? I said, what do you mean, Dr. Youssef? Like, we were at church. He goes, no, 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 where were all the students down front Sunday morning? And I said, well, there was a lot of people out of town. There was a lot of people doing different things. And, and there was like a, a We Worship training thing uh, going on. So that took a lot of our students. I know a lot of you guys were doing the We Worship training. And that's just in itself awesome. I want to brag on you guys. That's awesome. But he said, Ryan, I missed them. I missed them sitting up front. They add so much to our service. And so I just wanted to tell you guys, you're, you're, being a, you're making a difference. And Dr. Youssef sees it every Sunday, and he's so appreciative. And I'm not just saying that just to, just to puff up the student section. I'm not saying that. Some of you are taking that. Well, he's just saying that because he wants us to sit down front. No, Dr. Youssef, this is coming from the man's mouth that he missed you guys, and he loves you guys, and he loves seeing you all down front. So if you and your family, if you want to come and sit with us, man, we would love to, uh, if you're available, we would love to have you join us because it adds so much to our worship service. So this morning, we'd love to see you uh, down front. So we're going to dive into Mark chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 3. If you have your, your iPhone, Android, uh, bust out the uh, Bible app and go ahead and, and dial it into Mark chapter 3. Mark uh, before we, we start, this topic today is one of those topics that um, it, it's talked a lot and it's sparked a lot of debate throughout the years. It's sparked a lot of even controversy on this one topic. If you saw our Instagram post yesterday, the unforgivable sin or the unpardonable sin. And this is one of those things that when I first became a Christian... Back when I was nine years old, uh, I was growing up in a small Southern Baptist church, and, and I was just doing my thing, going to, do, you know, being a part of the kids' ministry and then being a part of the youth group. And as I got a little older, I heard about this sin. I was like, man, God forgives all sins, but there's like this one sin that God will not forget. And I'm like, what? There's one sin that God won't forgive. Yeah, he'll forgive everything, but there's one thing. If you do it, he won't forgive you. And I'm like, well, what is it? You don't even want to know. I'm like, how's that even fair? Like, tell me that I can do whatever in the world, but there's one thing that if I do it, God ain't forgiven me. And so my mind, I'm like racking my brain, what in the world is that one sin? And so I'm, I'm, I'm coming to conclusions like, this is really bad, but this is really bad. And whoa, 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 this one trumps this one, but... But if God looks at sin as just like sin is sin, then it's all like level ground. And I'm like, what in the world? It, it, 
there's a sin. What if I commit it? Have I committed it? The dude didn't tell me that there, I, I don't know what it is. So I'm just, maybe I've committed it. Maybe God won't forgive me. Maybe I'm going to hell. One way ticket, I've committed the sin straight to hell. For an 11, 12 year old, 13 year old, that was big stuff. And maybe you've heard of it. How many of you ever heard of the unforgivable, unpardonable sin? Lift your hand up. Anybody? For those of you who have not heard of it, there's this one thing. The words unforgivable sin is not in the Bible. It's not unpardonable. We'll get to that in a second. But there's this one scripture that we're going to deal with in Mark chapter 3 that talks about it. It talks about this one sin that's unforgivable. And when I was studying this, I was reminded of how many different people think what that sin is. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Not to get graphic in your brain, but I want you to think of, of a sin that you think God would not forgive that. That is one of those things God would not forgive. Just think in your brain. I don't want you to say it out loud. Just think in your brain like it's so bad that God would look at that and go, nope, you are not getting in heaven. See you by eternity separated. No thanks. You're not playing. You're not coming in. You're not singing to me for eternity. You're, no, I'm not having anything to do with you. Think of that one sin that you might could think. Now, not to, not to pick in your brain or get in your brain. Now, that could be a myriad of different things. And I'm, not, I'm just going to throw some ideas. It could be some of you, like when I was studying, I was seeing divorce the unpardonable sin. And then I would see rape, the unforgivable sin. Or adultery, the unpardonable, unforgivable sin. Suicide, the unforgivable sin. And I'm looking at these things going, whoa, man, this is all these things. And you've seen these things and you're thinking these different things I might have said, the one that you might have think, murder, whatever it is. And you think, man, God would never forgive that. And then I'm brought back to the scriptures that is so true and is so right. And today I want to look at what that sin is. But we, want, we need to give a little backstory. We need to understand why Jesus even says that there's this one sin that if you commit it, don't read ahead. Oh, you already like, what is it? Oh, I'm reading Don't read ahead. We'll get there. But he, there, we need to give some, some story, a little clarity of why Jesus says what he says here about the unforgivable, the unpardonable sin. So if you're there, Mark chapter 3, we're going to dive in. We're going to start in verse 22. Verse 22. So if you're there, say, yeah. Now, come on now. That was like a, yeah, I'm there, baby. If you're there, say, yeah. yeah. That's good. All right. That's, I mean, you don't even have to be like polite. No, no yes, sir. Just, Yeah. Kind of like how you say to your dad, you know, did you shake out the garbage? Yeah! What'd you say to me? Now, here, Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 22. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Beelzebub, or Beelzebel, Beelzebel, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So, time out, just pause before we get any further. Jesus is going around the area. He's healing. He's, uh, he's, he's 
preaching, he's teaching, he's, he's doing all these miracles, he's casting out demons from people. Now, we don't see that a lot today. I still think demon possession exists, and we'll talk about that at another time and another place and another Bible study. But I do think demon possession uh, exists, and Jesus was casting out these demons. And now in today's circumstances, it looks a little di- different, and I still think possession still happens, but it looks a little different. And I think for a lot of us, we've become jaded to possession. Now, you need to also understand that a Christian cannot ever be possessed by a demon. So I'm just going to pause right there and interject that, that a Christian can never be possessed. They can be oppressed. That means temptation can overwhelm you. Y'all check this out. Let's, let's hang out with me for just a few minutes. That, that that it can be heavy, distraction can be an oppression, temptation can be an oppression, lying against your parents or cheating on tests, that can be that temptation and you fall into that sin can be oppression, and then the list goes on and on and on, but it can't be possession. A person, only a person who does not know Christ can be possessed by a demon. And so what, what, uh, these Pharisees are doing, these Pharisees, these guys who are supposed to have it all together, who's supposed to know about the Word, who's supposed to know the deal on who Jesus is and the Messiah. Again, we've talked about this for the past few weeks. They are confused, and they don't know what's going on, and these guys just don't have a clue about what's happening in Jesus's kingdom and remember he comes and he flips the kingdom upside down and when he gets to the scene they're going this guy who's casting out demons this guy who's healing this guy is possessed by the devil himself he's possessed by the prince of this world he's possessed by demons he said this guy is 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 a demon because here's the deal, they've seen these, these acts happen before, so they have it in the back of their mind of, of mystics and people doing black magic, and they're not wanting to accept that Jesus is the Messiah, so they just go ahead and say he's possessed by demons. And so now we hear from Christ himself in verse 23. And so Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. Now I love how Jesus says this, and, and he speaks to them in stories. You see that oftentimes in, in the Gospels where Jesus uses parables. And why does Jesus use parables? It's the same reason that, that pastors use stories or illustrations in their talk. It's the same reason I, I start off with some type of story because it relates to the people. It, it gets on the same level as the people. And so Jesus, he was the master speaker. He, was, he had it all together. He knew how to deliver a sermon. He knew how to speak. And he knew how to get on people's level. And he started off with a parable and, and he told these guys stories. So let's see what he says and then we'll, we'll circle back and talk about what he says. He says, so how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end can come. And in fact, No one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless first he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemes blasphemes of men will be forgiven. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. 
And so we see here in verse 23 through 26 that Jesus starts really calling them out for what they said. They're blaming him for being a demon. They're blaming him for being even Satan himself. And then Jesus says, how can this be? Like, you're smart. You guys are supposed to have it all together. You guys are supposed to have it all figured out. But he said, how can Satan drive out Satan? That would mean a, a house divided. That means, like, like, that's what I don't understand. How can you live in the same house with, like, a Georgia fan and an Auburn fan? That is a house divided. Like, it don't make sense. I don't know how do you do it. But here's the deal. He's saying there's always tension that's what it would be. They're one unit, but it's like the house is divided, and so there's always tension because there's going to be that one day where Georgia is playing Auburn, and you're like, nah, I'm going to deck out in Georgia, and you're going to deck out in Auburn. We ain't going to talk until the end of the game. And if my team wins, well, I'm going to rub it in your face, but if your team wins, don't even talk to me. That's how it is. There's this tension. There's this tension. You don't laugh. You're sitting there like, Ryan's telling the truth. That's my parents. Like, but, but there's this tension like, that's going on. And so Jesus says, how can Satan be against himself? That makes zero sense. That makes no sense in the world. And then he goes on, a house divided against itself. It can't stand. If Satan opposes himself and is divided, he can't not stand. His end has come. And if he was... He was he was against himself. If he's divided against himself, his end is already there. So he's fighting himself and, and it's just going to crumble until there's no need for a savior because he's not even around. And he's going, that's not how it is. And then Jesus uses this story. I, I love this illustration. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. And I look at this and I'm like, man, what is he talking about? We read these stories. That's one of those sentences or that's one of those verses like when we get to it. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Let's just keep moving on. But what does Jesus mean in here? And what's the, what's the, the, the characters in this? And he says, no one can enter a strong man's house. And what he's saying is that, that the enemy, the devil, is a strong man. He's saying that the, that the enemy has got a grip on this world, that he's saying that, that the enemy, he's the strong man in this house. And for me to go in, that, that person who's going in, Jesus is talking about himself. So as he's going in the house, he can't just, he can't just go in and, and carry off the possessions. But first he's got to go in, he's got to tie up the person of, that owns the house, he's the Satan is the prince of the authority of the world. Jesus has to, uh, uh, and we'll get into that some other time, but he, he talks about that he is the authority of the world. He's the prince of the world. And Jesus says, look, I have to bind him up. I'm coming in to fight him. He's tie I'm tying him up, and I'm going to take back what is mine. I'm going to take it back. And Jesus throws this power, this is a powerful illustration. And I'm going, I'm sitting there going, when I'm reading, I'm studying like that. Yeah, Jesus, you are awesome. He goes, man, it's just cool. But then he says, I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemes of men will be forgiven. Now, we need to think about this sin, missing the mark. We've talked about sin, it's an archery term. Anything that does not hit the bullseye, which is God, is missing the mark. Lying, cheating, stealing, cussing, anything that, that uh, profane, anything that, that does not hit the center of the mark of holiness 
is missing the mark. And we need to understand that. And, and, and it's that archery term of when an archer misses the bullseye he's sending. And the only way to hit that center is, is the holiness of God. And he says, I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemes, and what blasphemy is, is, is I can't tell you yet, but blasphemes, I can't tell you yet, because we've got to get to it. All the sins and blasphemes of the men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, all sins... All blasphemies will be forgiven. But there's this one sin that won't be forgiven. One sin that won't be forgiven. And it's the unpardonable sin. And it's revealed. And it's against the Holy Spirit. The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that won't be forgiven. Now, think back about that sin that I asked you about earlier. That sin that you think, man, God would never forgive that sin. Like, if you committed that sin, or someone committed that sin, God would never, ever, 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 ever forgive me. But here's the thing. I want to encourage you. It doesn't give us the freedom to sin, but I want to encourage you in this. That Jesus says, I tell you the truth. And that when he says that, you see Jesus say that a lot, I tell you the truth. That's like... Everything I'm about, I stand on. Everything that I'm about to say is valid. Everything, not that everything Jesus says is not true. Everything he says is true. But he says, you need to listen up. This is present tense. What I'm about to say carries, in not, even on, or not only in present tense, it carries to the future is what the Greek tense means. And so he's saying, this is what I say. You need to hear me. Listen closely. In, in modern day preacher world terms, it's like lean in. We hear a lot of preachers, I even say it, lean into this. That's what Jesus is saying. Lean in to what he's saying here. I got a friend of mine who's a pastor down the road and he that's what he says that all the time lean in and that's what Jesus is saying lean into this he says all the sins and blasphemes of men will be forgiven he said everything that happens every sin that you commit anything divorce rape adultery murder anything down to disobeying your parents to cheating on tests, anything that misses that mark will be forgiven. But there's one thing that won't be, and that's blasphemy to the Holy Spirit. And so what in the world does that mean? And we need to ask that. What, is the, what does that mean? And can you commit this sin? Can you commit this sin? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these three things down. Who can commit this sin? Who can commit this sin? Number one, the person, and this is what blasphemy means. So these three definitions, there's, there's a, quite a few more used in different uh, places. They all kind of encompass themselves, but I want to give you three examples of what blasphemy is. And then who can commit this sin? And number one, if you're taking notes, the person who denies Jesus is who he says he is. 
person who denies Jesus is who he says he is. So who can commit this sin? A person who says, Jesus didn't come to die for my sins. He didn't come and live a perfect life and die on the cross and go in the grave and then resurrect and then now is in heaven and he might have, we have history books and I believe that there was a guy named Jesus who roamed this earth for about 33 years but you know what? He was just a good man. So number one, the person who denies Jesus is who he says he is. But then he moves on to number two, who can commit this sin? The person who willfully rejects God's grace through Christ. The person who willfully rejects God's grace through Christ. And that's one of those, that's one of those uh, points where there can be a lot of, of even tension in that because you, you have people who are really for a reformed thought or a, a free will thought, and then there's tension, like how can a person willfully reject if he's chosen? And that's another story for another time. But for this moment right now, because we don't have a clue who is chosen, we don't have a clue who God's called out, we don't have a clue who's appointed before the foundations of this earth, we don't know. And so Jesus, in this, he says all men are, will be forgiven, but the person who willfully rejects God's grace through Christ is blaspheming. And then number three comes into play. Because not only are they blaspheming who Jesus is, they're blaspheming what God has done. And then it comes down to what Jesus is saying in this point right here. The person who resists the call from the Holy Spirit to repent. Someone who resists the call from the Holy Spirit to repent. So the Holy Spirit comes. He's the counselor. He's the guide. But no man can come to the Father, as we talked about in general revelation a couple of weeks ago in Hour of Power. No man can come to the Father unless God draws them through his Son. And that Son, when he left, he left the Holy Spirit. So how does one come to Christ? It's the nudging and the pushing of the Holy Spirit. And so what is a blaspheme? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the person who denies Jesus is who he says he is, the person who willfully rejects God's grace through Christ, and then number three, the person who resists the call from the Holy Spirit. So, right now you're thinking in your mind, man, just like maybe I did a long time ago, have I committed this sin? Do I commit this sin? How many times have I committed this sin? Let me give you a little hope. You can breathe a sigh of relief right now if you're a believer in here. If you're a Christian in here, you cannot commit this sin. If you're a believer, you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you can't commit this sin. That's where you go, whew, whoo, yes, thank you, Lord. Why can't you commit this sin? Because you didn't resist. When the Holy Spirit nudged you to salvation, and drew you to the cross, you said, I, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. And so in that, that's where you, in this moment, 
you need to know and you need to be comforted. This doesn't give us a license to sin. This doesn't give us this little pass that because God's grace is here in my life, because I have him as my Lord and Savior, I can do what? I want to do because I am forgiven no 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 that's not what he's saying because that's taking advantage of God's grace and that's not what it's about but he's saying that once you are forgiven your sins in the past the present the future are forgiven forever and that is hope that is good news and that's where we sit in this room and we sing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me listen I once was lost but now I'm found and I was blind but now I see and that's why we can sing that's why we do sing and that's why we get excited and that's why a guy like me at 9 or at 10 15 a.m. on a Sunday morning can get pumped up and try to get you pumped up because if you're a believer in Christ that's something to get pumped up about it's something to get pumped up about And so you can sit there and go like this all you want, or you can be on your phones, or you can be tuned out. But I want to tell you, if you're a believer, this is good news. This is hope. This is awesome. So if it means that believers can't commit this sin, who commits this sin? Unbelievers. It's those who walk through life say, nah, I don't need Jesus. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm gonna, I've been burnt too many times or I've gone my own path and I just, pff, I don't need Jesus. And when Jesus calls, when the Holy Spirit calls, He pushes it away. And that's in that moment where, where do we come in? What is our response And as you're sitting here, I don't know where you're at, whether you're a believer, I can't judge that in your heart. Billy Graham, one of the most famous evangelists of all time, says that 88% of the church is lost. 88%. So let's just, let's bump it down even to 80 for my simple math, my Walton County math, because it was horrible. But if there's 100 people in here, that means only 20 of you. Only 20 of you are believers. Billy Graham says this. So how do we decide, how do we confirm that we have not committed this sin? Well, I think we just asked two questions. Number one, am I a Christian? And you just ask that in your heart. Can we ask that to ourselves? And we can ask that in prayer and we say, am I a Christian? But then number two, number two, I think this is the key. I think this is really important. Do you get convicted by the Holy Spirit when you do something wrong? When you are disobedient when you are rude, when you are back-talking, when you are defiant, when you are doing something that misses the mark, do you get convicted from that? Not from people, but from the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, I truly believe that's how you know you're a Christian. I really do. That's how you can be reminded. Look, I mess up. And it's not a guilt, it's a, it's a conviction because the difference between guilt from the, the enemy and conviction from the Holy Spirit is going that wedged a wedge in between you and Christ. That hindered your relationship. And so I want to leave this place today with encouragement that if 
you ask that in prayer and you say, God, am I a Christian? Do I know you as my Lord and Savior? And he says, yes. And you say, God, help me to live for you. But if you say no, if you say no, maybe today would be the day that you would stop sinning and you would repent. You would make that 180 turn and come to a Christ who loves you, a Messiah who died for you, a Jesus who wants a relationship with you today. Let me pray. God, I love you so much. I thank you for these teenagers. I thank you for your word. This is a heavy topic this morning. God, I thank you for how attentive these awesome teenagers were this morning. I pray that you would bless them. Lord, as we go into big church, God, I pray that we would worship you with everything that we have. God, I pray that we would get in your word and we would be excited about what Dr. Youssef's going to teach us this morning. I pray that we just lift up holy praise to you. God, if we know you in this place, God, let us sing to you. If we don't know you in this place, God, let us let's be drawn to you. And God, heal our hearts and make us whole. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.